Martin. I'm doing this. We're live. Are you ready to pop? <laughs> are you ready to pop? We in public now. <laughs> okay, we are outside. Maybe I should save that intro. Mike check, everybody good? We here? We're good. We're feeling a little weird. We got yeah. levels. <clears throat> Thank you for tuning in. This is the Industry Standard Podcast. I am Eddie Sanders, one of the co-hosts. And I'm Josh Kaplan, one of the other co-hosts. Don Julio, engineer. And we have a special guest. Do we want to introduce him right away? I think we should. I mean, there's other people here, so they already see him. The reason that he's on <laughs> primarily is because he's he's our one listener. True. So we invited him on. <laughs> he's, he's the one guy that tweeted us back, so we were like, hey, please come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> some some podcasts give away t-shirts. We were like, hey, we're we're like, no, 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 we need more here. listeners, yeah, so <laughs> maybe bringing yeah. you on to have other people listen. <laughs> no, it's good for content, you know. You really start a fan base that way. <laughs> Everyone listening gets listen, a show. Get yeah. I, I think I'm down with that concept. Uh-huh. So if you listen to our show, hit us up. You might be able to become a guest. It's officially an experience. You want to introduce yourself? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My name is Ron Spragans. <laughs> I forgot that that was the whole that was the lead up to my intro. <laughs> uh, tour manager extraordinaire, um, manager as of recently. Nice. I thought your last name was Diggity. Yeah, I wish it was <laughs> Ron Diggity. <laughs> that used to be my old like online handle. <laughs> Ron Diggity. Ron Diggity. One day we're gonna have to get into our old college emails. Yeah, I know. Or AIM handles. Oh. So tour manager. Tour manager. For, for whom? Um, Smino, SZA, and recently Francis and the Lights. Okay. Yeah. But, but before we get into that, I think we have to congratulate our co-host. Yeah. Eddie. Yeah. Doing a big. Sanders, who made probably like the most baller proposal of all time. I wasn't there. Were you, you, I was there. Yeah. I was Ron on stage. Was Ron was there. He helped, yeah. he helped put I couldn't it get in. Eddie couldn't hook it up. Oh, why didn't you hit me? I, I probably should have. Anyway. Eddie Finesto, yeah, I was I backstage, got, and he, he came up with no bands yeah. <laughs> in Chelsea. And I was like, how did you even get past three layers of security? I, <laughs> so he came in a security but, uniform. Let's explain what happened. Oh. You've been dating your now fiance. Yeah, we're close to for, eight. Eight 18 years? years? Uh, eight years. Eight years, eight yeah. Years. <laughs> How old do you think he is? <laughs> <laughs> and well, tell, tell everybody what happened. Uh, so I proposed to my, my girlfriend uh, during Lollapalooza at Smino set. Yeah, but not like just at it. Not yeah. like with all the gen pop. Like Yeah, like actually on stage during Smino set. And then afterwards, Chance came out and they performed Eternal. Oh, my goodness. It's pretty legendary. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty smooth. I'm glad I'm already married because I could never top that. Shout out to Ron. He was he was helpful in putting that whole thing together. Yeah, Eddie hit us and was like, "I'm thinking about proposing to Chelsea. How does Lala sound?" We we're like, "That's beautiful." Somehow I've seen like three proposals during Smino's sets. Oh, really? Which is kind of crazy. I guess he just makes that love making music. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously, people are, yeah. People are like, "Yo, I want to get married during your set." So Eddie hit us up and. Uh, I wasn't there for the rehearsals. Um, they found a good time during the uh, during the set to make it happen, and so happened Chance came out as well for a new song. Eddie requested a song to be played after he proposed, and uh, it was probably about midway through the set, 4 p.m. on Saturday. So Man. Shout out to how plugged Eddie is. Uh. Seriously. <laughs> to pull that and off. I'm actually glad I'm plugged as well because I had no ticket, <laughs> and I had to have security walk me and Chelsea in. 
Yeah, I asked you. I'm like, how how you don't have a you know a I forgot about I anything. forgot about that part of the plan. I yeah, put everything <laughs> the together. Day before, I'm like, Eddie, how are you like, getting in? Wait, I have to. Like, oh, I'll figure it out. I'll just I'll just tell him I'm with security. He did, and he did, he yeah. did, man. And, and she got, said yes. Hey, she did okay, say good, yes. Good, yeah, good. So, yeah, that that's important. Congrats. Yeah, it was a good moment. Congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah. So, Ron, you just got to work on being an ordained minister so you can oh, start yeah, being yeah. here. Smino so, <laughs> already said that he's down to be a wedding singer. Ooh. So, with the band? And he's could the band. Right. That could go hard. That could go hard. It's not bad. Open bar? <laughs> of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely using all the <laughs> liquor plugs I have. Exactly. Like, hey, Hennessy stolen. Uh, what's going on, guys? Is Chelsea going to be mad if your wedding is sponsored? <laughs> <laughs> by the new British Outlaws. <laughs> Every segment is sponsored by somebody. Uh, brought to you by Joe's Fresh <laughs> Clothing by Joe Fresh Goods. <laughs> it's good for the content. Definitely. All right, so you'll probably get married in what, like... 2021? 20, yeah, like three, four years. Uh, you don't want to rush into it. True, true. Right. Uh, it's only been eight years. I don't years think it's my decision yeah. like, <laughs> on that, so yeah. Pretty soon, though. Okay, cool. I like that. Well, congrats. Thank you, thank yeah. you. But for Ron to be able to put that together and help me you oh, know, yeah, and all that. Of course. As a tour manager. Oh, I good think, segue. Yeah, yeah, you know, understanding that role and... Me knowing that that was the first person to call as opposed to hitting the artist. Yeah. Let's get into a little of like how Lala was for you because you said you did Francis and Smino. Yeah. Um, Lala was kind of crazy for me. I uh, I went to Montreal on Friday, which was uh, this festival with Francis uh, Oshiaga. It was the first time performing with him. Um, came back at like 8 in the morning, went straight to Lala, loaded in, got a car on stage. Eddie was standing there with Chelsea saying, yeah, without her knowing unbeknownst to her that he was about to propose so that was exciting um and then straight after lala went to park west at after show and then came back sunday and did francis on the light so it's a very busy weekend to say the least but uh you get those special moments where it's like it's it's larger than life almost you know especially with chance coming out afterwards it's just a lot of things that you have to like prepare for the unexpected almost yeah because it seemed like even though everyone was caught up in in the moment it still seemed like on your face was this like business mentality of like, oh, we got to get through this show. Oh, so yeah. even though everything's crazy, everybody's going wild. You're still like in the zone. Like, all right, it's not it, over to the last song. It's not thing. because I mean, at the same time, Smee's worried about his ears, making sure he can hear everything. I gotta run and grab your mic after you get done proposing to hand it to Chance so he can perform the verse. You know, um, we also had a bunch of people on stage and the, make sure the band is all good. So there's a lot going on. Um, it's kind of weird being a tour manager because you get like you have 10 different jobs, not just one job, you know, whether it's like being a bartender on the side where you're like pouring drinks for the, for the artist or making sure that their best friends are okay. Making sure that, <clears throat> excuse me, that the band is good. It's a lot of stuff going on at once, but it's that ability to like handle multiple things at once and not to, and not getting too uh, overwhelmed by that. That's amazing. How'd you, uh, how'd you get into it? Um, I went to Indiana university and I started off with a, uh, a uh, funk rock soul band called the main squeeze and uh i just kind of was like originally just like a roadie i went on tour with those guys i was like used to be in a stage design a lot um so i was just kind of helping them out with that and i realized that i could kind of navigate in this world of of actually being a tm and learning the ins and outs of sound and learning how how to communicate with the band and communicate with the venues and stuff like that so just kind of just on hand something i just fell into 
It's not something you went to school to learn how to no. do. You got to learn by doing, right? No, I, I ended up actually going to SAE after I graduated IU um, just to learn live sound, just to get better at my job, the way I, I, I could comprehend what I was talking about. But yeah, I think for tour managing, it's such a weird thing that like there's no, like, even if you are in a classroom learning about it, like you have to be hands-on to actually learn, you know? So it, to me, so I manage people, right? And tour managers are so essential yeah, and like if if you don't have a good tour manager, you end up doing it all yourself. And yeah, it can be a challenging job, I oh, would say, without a doubt. I mean, tour managers, with managers, especially tour managers. Like, uh, we just did this last tour with Smino, the Hoopty tour, and I was the last one to go to bed every night and the first one to wake up. You know, so I'm worrying about 15 people that are on the bus with me. All their problems become your problems, yeah. <laughs> whether like how minute they may be. You know, so you have to like you have to make take care of all those 15 people and making sure that your artist is still number one. Um, and it's just a lot of stuff that you just can't learn in a classroom. A lot of that stuff is hands-on, yeah. you know? And and are you in charge of merch as well? I, I have been in the past. Luckily, I'm not anymore. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, there isn't, there's not, like, a game plan for it, right? It depends no. on the artist. It depends on the tour. Yeah, it depends on, like, the growth of the artist as right. well and how big they are. Um, when I was first starting off with that band, The Main Squeeze, shout out those guys. They are my brothers and super amazing uh they still tour to this day um a lot of it was just learning on, on the go so i was doing merch i was settling at the end of the night i was sending in like settlement sheets to the booking agent i was making sure that they had their per diems um i was going through and randomly doing lights for some shows you know and i don't know a, a thing about lights <laughs> you know yeah. so it's just like i mean the tour manager has to be that that guy that does everything even on this last meet run our front of house guy ended up like collapsing at a show in i think uh houston i ended up running front of house for a second i'm just like without knowing those skills whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean collapsed? He like <laughs> he hadn't eaten in like a day and a half and like was all super jacked up. Isn't that your responsibility to make sure they eat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <He> said it. <laughs> like it's wild. It's wild. He ended up literally like the like ambulance came. He collapsed at oh, the front man. of the house like two minutes before the show started. You know, and I'm like trying not to alarm me, so I'm like, I'm just gonna go out here. It's <laughs> like, like Ron out there. Front yeah. of the house. <laughs> So what does that mean, front of house handling that? What? Um, making sure that uh, I mean, just doing mixing the live show. Yeah. So at the front of house console, um, and so I got a radio call that he was going to the hospital, and I came out to front of house, and as soon as our show started, I'm sitting there mixing the boards. Yeah. So like you got like the drums, the keys. Yeah, everything. Everyone's vocals, vocals and all that. Yeah. I mean, it was two minutes before the show, so. Hopefully he dialed it in. Yeah, oh God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. At that point I'm just I'm just metering. You know, yeah. I'm just monitoring everything, making sure. Um but still is nerve wrecking though. It is. It's not the seat you want to be in. Yeah, if something before. goes yeah. wrong, that's yeah, that's the problem. Man. Yeah. So So like yeah, like you were saying, like that earlier experience though, having to handle all those roles. Yeah. So now even though you're on a bigger stage, regardless of what happens, you have like a pulse on like what should be happening so that you can monitor every situation. Exactly. And just being able to know the ins and outs of every situation helps out a lot, you know. So when I when I when I talk to the the merch manager that we had on the road, I, I know where he's coming from. I, I take my time out every show to go up there and make sure he has a break, he has some water or Coca Cola, whatever he needs, you know. So I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it. It's kinda crazy. So you gotta be extremely patient. Yeah, patience is probably <laughs> 
patience and a lot of caffeine is the biggest thing. <laughs> um, that patience comes over time, though, because I've, I've been frustrated with myself a lot when there's stuff that I didn't know. And, and you know, I mean, obviously you learn more over time, but um, some things are out of your control and some things you can control. And it's just knowing that fine line, I guess. Yeah. So, start with your first band. How did you actually jump into Smino and Francis? What was the um, introduction on all that? So I stopped touring with those guys because they wanted a guy, they wanted a tour manager that knew front of house. And that was like a real big motivator for me to to learn audio. So I came to SAE and I was at the time promoting and like doing my own like live shows. There's this, uh, this DIY venue called Canvas. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Yeah. Um, I started doing live sound there and it was around the time of No Name's telephone album released and her manager was like oh i heard you used to tm would you like to come out on the road with us and i was like definitely so did that for probably about like nine months and then uh smino kind of stole me from her <laughs> he was like oh you're tm yeah the tm that he had at the time he wasn't really uh meshing with i guess you could say which is like a big thing i mean a lot of times artists want to feel comfortable or safe around their tm and know that they have like the same uh insights i guess so uh smino took me from there and Honestly, big ups to Classic and, and Smee because I've kind of just taken off in my career because of them. Uh, we did the Control Tour with SZA for about six months. And then after that punch, uh, SZA's manager kind of stole me from Smee. So I was kind of doing both of those for about a year. And recently, uh, Francis. So it's not too bad. It's a nice little run you're on right Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. What's the goal? You want to you wanna keep doing it? Or you said you started getting into um, management too? I would prefer to manage just because, I mean, being on the road is super taxing. Yeah, It's very taxing on the body and relationships back home. So um, ideally, I would like to send out other TMs and kind of still keep that database going of like, you know, this is a good rec- person that we can recommend that has been tour managing for a long time. Um, I'm also like really into stage design more so as of recently um we did like that it took me me and classic and uh a good buddy taylor like three months to get that car ready for stage and i was actually watching this netflix series abstract have you guys seen this mm-hmm. I, I, I think so you see it like yeah. goes into like different like um professions photography interior design architecture but they have one on stage design with this lady ev she did like kanye's uh stage design and beyonce and i just think like the work you can do with like making it more so there's just not led screens on stage you can actually make props like theater almost i think that shit is so cool you know so um ideally i would manage my artist elton and then uh work on stage design as a hobby i guess gotcha yeah, but yeah, we you definitely got to set up that that tour manager company. Yeah, that's I mean, there's like there's a lack of good TMs, especially like being yeah. Chicago based is a good Midwest point. So you know, it's easy to fly to LA, it's easy to fly to New York, and I want to put more people, especially younger people that don't necessarily know about TMing, because there's so many jobs within the music industry, especially live music that people don't necessarily know about, whether it be front of house, monitor engineer, stage manager, production manager, all that stuff is just a way to create income and get yourself inside of the music industry that was gonna be my next question so like how many people are on the road let's say for the smino hoopty tour right can you run down like yeah Um, let's see we had a driver obviously um we had a merch manager uh stage manager who was myself (laughs) and production manager and tour manager um we had security we had a personal assistant pa uh danita 
And then we had the entire band, which was drums, bass, keys, background vocalists. But I mean, if on bigger productions, you probably have uh, a backline tech. You know, you'd have a drum tech, people who are like solely dedicated to making sure that this is their one job to make sure that the band and the artist can, can relax before set. It's a budget for something like that. Oh yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. It's uh, oh wait, what is, what is yeah, I mean, um, that, that's a lot of people. Yeah. I don't even, I couldn't even call it off the top of my head. Um, I guess on a two month tour, you're easily thinking about 50 to 75,000 in salary. Yeah. You know, but, uh, I mean, if you're good enough at your job, like some TMs, I met this guy uh, or a front of house guy from The Weeknd. He's on retainer. So The Weeknd's off for a year and a half recording his new album, but he's on retainer. So he makes half of what he would make a week. But whenever The Weeknd gives him that call, he's got to go. You know, so he can pick up side gigs and still hustle and do whatever. But as soon as The Weeknd's like, yeah, we're playing uh, Thursday night in Las Vegas, he's got to go, you know. I guess the point is... It's, it's almost a luxury for a lot of artists to have somebody like you yeah. with them because most of the time you're dealing with maybe a manager right. and the manager's running around trying to do everything, right. hoping that the venue sound person is paying it's attention. adequate. Right. <laughs> and that's Not falling yeah. asleep. <laughs> and then nobody's stealing the, the cash from the merch sales. Yeah. And artists are still getting their drinks and all exactly. that. So you got to elevate to a certain level to afford that, that, that number of... Uh, professionals most go definitely along with you but i mean like if your team is good it makes that that artist that much more comfortable for sure that's the one thing i have noticed about you guys it seems like it's a fully functioning machine right now like we're in a really good groove right now it's, it's kind of nice especially coming off tour um yeah and everybody meshes so well so i mean that's a big thing too making sure that everyone can coexist in the same space and not have drama or tantrum tantrums or whatever yeah you guys on one bus yeah, there was 15 of us on one bus. Damn. Yeah. That's pretty intense right there. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people and a lot of emotions that you have to kind of deal with. You know, people have stuff that's going on back home, you know, that maybe other people in the band don't know about, but they bring to you because they're like, I don't know who else to talk to this about. So you're the therapist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, man. I, I come home, like this last tour, we did those three months, and I didn't talk to anybody the whole month of June. Just because it takes me so long to get back to zero almost, you know, because, I mean, you're carrying a lot of weight that entire time. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. How do you keep yourself in a good, like, mental space while you're out there? On, on the road? road um, I find whatever whatever time I can have to myself, I take it. You know, for a lot of times, like, I mean, as soon as I wake up, I, I check out a venue. I do a walkthrough with the venue manager. I set up an office usually, uh, production office, set up my computer, make a little desk and in whatever like 15 to 10 minutes i just kind of zone out for a little bit you know because i know that i won't be by myself till the end of the night <laughs> yeah. all right man we're on a podcast you gotta get spicy with us you gotta tell us some you've been with me you know you've been with scissor like, give us something crazy out there what's oh, what's man. been wild on the road man have you had to beat anybody up no i haven't had to be but i do pl i did play security for a while um the wildest thing Oh man, we were at Coachella, and uh, 
<laughs> Our security dude, Big Tone, who he said he was gonna pull up, but I don't see him. Uh, <laughs> this little girl, man, she must have been like five foot four. Excuse my language for the people that are inside of here. Um, she had on, you know, very Coachella inspired fit. It was like a fur vest with no top on, so you know everything was hanging loose. And she runs on stage during the encore song. And he comes up and just straight tackles her and takes her off stage. And I'm like, what is going on, Big Tone? You gotta chill. <laughs> There's this video clip of all you see is her like dancing up and down and he just comes up and straight like Brian Urlacher 54 <laughs> just fucking smashes. I was He's like, just bro. waiting for somebody. Oh yeah. yeah, like he sits there like, hey dirty, I'm ready to crack hey, something. Dirty. <laughs> Wait, that that set was live streamed too, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh. So, so we can, can find go, we could probably find that somewhere. We can go back to the live stream and check that out. It's pretty funny. What's the most annoying thing? That's happened over the last couple of years. Somebody trying to get engaged on stage, or like <laughs> that's actually calm. Because uh, <laughs> well, you must get like, just fired. how many? I'm just kidding. I, I, like all of the the guest list requests and the friends of this guy, or I went to school yeah. with him, or like that must just. And get it's weird, so like annoyed. especially when you first start working with the artist to realize who's family and who's not. Yeah. you know, I thought that was your cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's why I actually named my management company No Guest List because I'm so tired of all the guest list requests. It's Dang. it's out of control. Yeah. You know, people, Aww. I was telling Eddie. Yeah, remember? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yo, this guy hit me up asking me for tickets. I was like, I bet the last time he texted you was 2017. Goes in his phone, <laughs> looks at the last text, August 2017. Yeah, it was like, like August 3rd, 2017. I'm like, bro. And then the next time I hear from you is, hey, you got to pass the lala? <laughs> yeah. How is that possible? You know, like, just no couth at all. And, like, that's probably the most annoying thing because it's usually people who are like, oh, hey, I'm at the door. I'm so-and-so's friend. Can you come get me right now? I'm like, we're on in 60 seconds. Can you wait five minutes? They're like, no, I got to go right now, you know? So, yeah. See, on the flip side of that, that's how I get in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, they're on stage right now. Of course he can't get me. Like, come on. They're like, oh, okay, go ahead. Eddie, Eddie's got no shame. <laughs> I respect Eddie, though, because he stays out the way. Other people are just so annoying. Yeah, I try not to bother my friends. You can bother me Just bother me 30 minutes before Don't bother yeah. me yeah. The minute before We're about to go on stage Alright You know We got this on record <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright I got it now Don's just gonna play this clip To security like, Yeah <laughs> Told you He said he got me Any time man What's good Y'all crazy Should we uh, Should we segue Again into news, we can do a little news. Yeah, we want we want your. Yeah, take don't you on guys usually to start off with the news? Like, yeah, man, but yeah, you're you know, important, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, we don't get guests very often. Hey, we. I don't even think we told the people that we're in a live location right now. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, we never even told them that we're at SAE Chicago. There's been people like filing in the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, welcome. Welcome to the Industry Standard Podcast for yeah. all my people that are here. Cool. Well, why don't you tell them what SAE is, Eddie? SAE. Prof professor. Professor? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, school of... <laughs> oh, uh, you don't remember. I was leaving the segue for Don because he's also a SAE. Yeah, alum. I left here a long time ago. It's just SAE to me. <laughs> you were here right before I was, I think, right? I think so. Like maybe yeah. Um, a semester I was like the too. second graduating class. Gotcha. I'm going to go audio education. Audio. Audio engineering. Audio it's engineering. audio engineering. Yeah. Right. Right. yeah, we yeah. both are alumni and have no idea. Right, you're here currently. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the music business department. Yeah. <laughs> Got that down packed. <laughs> Man, 
Well, no, it's a pretty great school. You can either get a degree in music business or audio production. Uh, like we said before, we got two alum here. Don, audio production, correct? Yeah. Ron, audio production as well. I was audio production as well. Yeah, and I teach on the music business end, so I do a intro to entertainment law class, and I also do a record business class. Cool. Yeah. And we're here just live today. On site. Yeah, Eddie even finessed his way into a job here. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just showed up. Chicago he just, just, he just showed up, sat down. I was like, hey, you want to make some money? <laughs> you're like, I do, I do. <laughs> and I stuck, you know. He brought his, uh, he brought your um, diploma. Yeah, and always keep a good PowerPoint on you. Yeah. Facts. You never know when you just got to whip that it up. That makes a lot like, of cool. sense. Yeah. yeah, man. There are two sides to publishing. <laughs> <laughs> Just start explaining something nobody else wants to explain. And right. It's just like, oh, great, he mechanical can do that. Mechanical royalties. That's, exactly. that's what hit. Once I taught him about mechanical license, I was like, yo. This guy should stay. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Martin. I can make 9.1 cents on every... <laughs> <laughs> Not even. No, but I actually feel like I did finesse a way in here, man. Because I met Martin at South by... Over yeah. Heineken's and Popcorn. I remember you came in here. You're like, where's Martin? I'm like, oh, yeah, he's right over here. I was like, okay, Eddie, here's Martin. And then Next Martin, you know, I don't I think Martin remember who you were. I just walked away like, <laughs> you guys handle this. Yeah. Sorry, that was the worst introduction I've ever hey. given somebody. <laughs> Five years later, I'm still here, so <laughs> it's fine. Don't You're worry. welcome. <laughs> but next year, you'll know the name of the school. Yeah, next year. I'm, I'm actually going to Google it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not right now, so everybody can. Is there anyone here that can tell us what? SAE yeah, we actually have students for. here, and nobody is like. What's SAE stand for? Oh. Man, School you guys got a better engineering. marketing job around here. <laughs> that needs to be on the midterm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the name of your school? Uh, That's hilarious. Uh, well, yeah. So normally we do news right. first, but because of Eddie's engagement. And your yeah. presence, we just jumped right into it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Because we don't have a lot of structure. No, we're working on that. Yeah. We're uh, eight episodes in, yeah. figuring it out. It's you know? pretty good. Yeah, we're getting a groove, I almost. Think so. Yeah. How long does it take to We're making appearances. Yeah, we're making appearances. We're, we get paid for this, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not monetarily <laughs> right. per se, Check that but I do believe there are some Jimmy John sandwiches <laughs> around here. So just don't leave hungry. I saw some donuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so what's what's in the news, Eddie? You got Katy Perry losing Katie some money, right? Yeah, uh, Dark Horse. Uh, really good song. That's probably my only oh. Katy Perry song I've listened to because Juicy J was on it. Yeah, yeah. You didn't like uh, what is it? Kiss the girl. Wasn't that her big? No, that was her big, but I was really wasn't into that. Mm. Didn't have enough pop to me. <laughs> not enough pop. Yeah, just not you. enough pop. Yeah, all right. Yeah, what happened with Dark Horse? Uh, I don't remember what court it was in, but they found uh, her and her co-writers um, liable for copyright infringement based off of a random Christian rap song. From like 2010, I saw yeah. that. And they don't sound any... I mean, they do sound... Quite a bit alike, but they don't sound alike. They, but don't, they don't sound alike. It's, we're not talking like blurred lines, Marvin Gaye alike here. Yeah, right. no. And and well, I mean, so that's that was sort of this huge case that happened. Man, it's got to be like three, four, four years yeah, ago. Three, four years ago, um, where uh, Pharrell and Robin Thicke on that huge song, Blurred Lines, uh, Marvin Gaye's estate sued and won, 
And it wasn't that it was traditional copyright infringement that they stole any of the music uh, or stole the, the notes or the sequences, but they said that they were inspired by and that they wanted to make something that sounded like Marvin Gaye. And so that was enough, and that was kind of a landmark case because it shifted from saying, all right, well, these notes are the same, um, and so it's a clear copyright infringement to just saying, all right, well, if you admit that you were trying to make something that sounded like it and then it, there's some similarity, that's enough. So yeah. if it just feels like thug. feels like I mean the, the, they screwed themselves. Pharrell and and uh, Robin Thicke were total assholes in their depositions. There's there's video of that that come out where they're like, yeah, so what? Like, yeah, we wanted to make something that sounded like I don't think Marvin they Gaye. they didn't think that that would actually no. And their lawyers you know, be didn't bad. think so either, obviously, because they had some <laughs> uh, big. Uh, expensive law firms helping them and yeah they they lost um and so that was scary because that's a slippery slope right where you know i i I don't know i'm not in the studio but you guys yeah i thought i thought both of those situations uh, was something that someone sampled i thought it was just a sampling thing Mm -hmm. it was interpolation i believe right so it was just the idea that they went into it using this as like a, a basis, a basis. To go off of. but like how many times do you go to, into a session and say hey, man I, I had this idea i wanted to sound something like reference and if you can't even reference it then what are you supposed to do and eddie you were saying before it's like it's hard to come up with something that's yes brand new. that's the new argument of like we're gonna run out of music right you know it's only so much you can put in the a count that we don't repeat something so it's right. like at what point do we say <clears throat> almost do we start over with copyright and allow for freedom to create new or is it like all right we are we more stringent because now if it feels like something we're going to run into a lot more cases like this and Katy perry lost out like 14 million well they said this. i think the judgment was only a, like two point something but then they said that they are going to go after earnings which could be 41 million what yeah i mean that song was huge and she played the super bowl and yeah, like, did all sorts of wow. other things with it and dr I'm Luke, pretty sure they didn't reference it from this Christian man, that's right. pretty obscure. It didn't sound right? anything like it. It's real obscure. <clears throat> well, no, the, like the little the beep, I guess, or the chord progression for the for the chorus yeah. sounds like it, but, but that's the thing I'm asking. Like, how many? I'm not a musician, but how many chord progressions are there? Right. And when do they start repeating? Right. You know, so it's like, right. yeah. I mean, I think it's it's people don't know that big artists get sued all the time. Like the minute that a song comes out from Britney Spears. Shout out to your T-shirt, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, where did that just come from? <laughs> that was the first name yeah. I'm staring at. Uh, or, or anyone on that level is coming out with songs. You're going to get some random lawsuit, and usually you can get them thrown out pretty quickly. But like, if there's any basis, and there are lawyers that are willing to take these things on, on contingent, so they're not getting paid unless there's a judgment, just so they can get their name out there, it's getting, I mean, it's really tough. You know, you can't have huge songs without just getting sued. And, I mean, I have personal knowledge from working with a bunch of writers that do stuff for Lady Gaga. She gets sued every song, no matter what. There's somebody that comes out and says, oh, no, that was my song. So so is it better for an artist in a situation, especially somebody that's not well-known, if they're either sampling or doing some type of interpretation, just do it and wait for the (laughs) any, you know, repercussions or... What no. would be your advice? No. I mean, you still got to do it the right way and, and clear, the, clear the samples. I mean, that's what ends up happening, right? So, like, um, who's the one who has the, who's got the song? Is it Juice World that has a song that is 100% of it is owned by Sting? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 
And then it was Tom Petty had one that was recently that um, somebody sampled and they just gave him 100% of it. They, that's what ends up happening a lot of times is that if you don't clear it, you're going to end up with zero. You're just not going to get any publishing on it at all. Whereas if you start at the beginning, like I'm trying to clear a Blink-182 sample right now, and we could have just put it out and then we would have been either sued or we'd end up with a cease and desist. And then we would just say, all right, cool, you guys get all the the publishing. This way we're at least going to get like 50% of the publishing. The Juice World thing is weird because, I mean, that was the song that blew him up. So now he's got all the show money and stuff. So I guess it's kind of like toss up, right? Yeah, his publisher's pissed, but but he's fine. He's like, I'll take losing out on this record to have a number one that's allowing me to tour around the world off of. For sure. So, I was also reading in the news, all right, we have the Warner CEO getting about $1.6 billion in streaming revenue, and then coming back and saying calculations for payment to writers is uh, oversimplified, and it's difficult for me to determine how much of this should be split upon the writers. Really? Yeah. I saw that, that I didn't see that uh, much detail on it. I saw that he was saying that it wasn't all streaming that it was made up of a bunch of different revenue streams and that just because they made that much over the last, whatever it was, was it quarter? It was a quarter, yeah. Yeah, so they made $1.6 billion. Yeah. I mean, Warner owns a lot of things, so it's not that surprising, but to say that it's not... That they can't figure it out. If they can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's, sorry, it's too that's hard. That's the main issue. <laughs> I don't even care about the amount. The amount is a, is a lot, but what do you mean you can't figure out calculations and splits and all that, like... I feel like this should be part of your job. Yeah, there should be people that work there that do that, right? <laughs> yeah, like even on our levels, we, I know we're not talking about billions, we call them thousands, but we know who to give it to when it comes in. Yeah, like, I mean, you kind of have to. I think that it's all a cop-out for the DSPs. You know, these DSPs, like, every, like there's no way to really calculate how much money you're going to be making a month, almost, you know, unless you, like, actually know inside of, like how much like the streaming is and stuff like that but i don't know it's just weird that that people can get away with that well i mean they, they can't right, right. It's, it's somebody is gonna have to sue them and have to have an accounting that's gonna cost a lot of money but there'll be labels there'll be sub labels and sub publishers and artists that are big enough that'll do it i mean i know from working with distributors so we represent distributors and so they're dealing with the dsps directly the calculations are insane because right. it's like they've got premium they've got students they've got like uh veterans get a different rate and so when they have to figure out where all of this money's coming in who gets it for free for these 14 days right i mean I a hope hulu subscription you it. get a free spotify right. it's like like i'm picturing one guy like pressing different buttons yeah. in, the, in the back <laughs> office being like all right well, this one is this you know he's got an abacus or something right so, i don't know it's, i know it doesn't relate but facebook has a way to like look at my picture and tell me Who's in it? <laughs> Yo, fact. So, like, <laughs> I'm like, job well done, Facebook. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. We borrow that? I feel like the technology's out there for them to just put the numbers in yeah. and the calculations happen. You know, like. Yeah. It's really weird, man. I'm, yeah, so, like you said, seems like a little cop-out to be able to. Yeah, it definitely does, you know. Like, I, I've been trying to, like, create a budget for my artist on a monthly and, and calculating how much money he receives from, from STEM our uh, our DSP. No, distributor. No, distributor. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. And it it's just not accurate, you know? Yeah. So it's just it's becoming a problem where I'm like, all right, well, we're just going to have to ignore this as an actual income and just use that as bonus on top of everything else. 
Have you ever gone through any, uh, an actual accounting? Like, so we always say that you have to have an accounting provision in your contract no matter what, right? So that when you get these statements in, you have a couple of years to look through them and make sure they're accurate. Have you ever I had? have enough. Man. It, you have? Yeah. T- tens of thousands of dollars just to do it, right? If it's a big catalog. And right. you're only going to do it if it's a big catalog and it's a big check. Right. But then, like, yeah, you, the one there was one in particular I'm thinking of that there was difference. It was a significant difference. But the language in the contract didn't say that if there was a problem with it, with the accounting, that the label had to pay. So we try to make sure that if there's oh. any error in the accounting, that the label actually has to end up paying for it. So we wound up paying and still netted some money on it because there were errors in it. But it still had to come out of pocket. Right. You know, to like, even figure those yeah, numbers out. You got to get you got to get a team of accountants that understand the industry, which, you know, we don't and we're in it. So, so you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's also a thing we need to put out there in, into the world that we do need more accountants here in Chicago that understand oh, please. music calculations and music royalty. So well, we have one left brain shout out. Yeah. Shout out left brain. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we should just leave it at left brain so we can just, people can Google it. Yeah. Just Facts. Left use left brain. Use com. left brain. Yeah, but our one listener is sitting next to us. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I think after this, we might have five. I don't yeah, know. These people haven't left. They yet. haven't. Yeah. Is your yeah. mom still we, listening? We to stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mom, so we got two. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> we got two strong Shouldn't listeners. Should have sworn last yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, what else we got, Eddie? We still got Kanye in the news. Oh, what now? Well, I mean, just the the publishing deal that he's trying to get himself out of. Um, they haven't done a change of venue yet. Still keeping it in, in L.A. Yeah. So, if our listeners have been, well, Ron is here, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Kanye is just definitely trying to get out of his publishing agreement. Um, we're still looking at a definition of what is a composition. They're still arguing over what that means, essentially. Um, a little backtrack. Anytime you're looking through a agreement and they're stating it's a publishing agreement we're talking about a composition they may say something of four compositions equals a year so we're not talking about a year as in a calendar month but you have to then deliver four compositions for it to equal one year so that could take one year it could take two years it could take three years also along the lines when you're talking composition it's 100 percent ownership of that song so now when we're splitting down having other writers other producers you may only own 15 to 20 percent of a record so now we're adding that up anytime until you get 100 percent ownership so that could take five records to make one so now we're looking at 20 compositions kanye's arguing that in the state of california there's service agreements that can only last seven years he's been in his since 2010 uh so past seven years so now we're just still arguing the main thing is getting in the proper court. Right. And we're still arguing that since we're, if it goes to the state of New York, New York doesn't have that statutory law where service agreements have to be seven years. Oh, right. That's yeah, how So you, you look at the governing law provision in the yeah. agreement, and if that says New York, he's probably screwed? Yeah, he's screwed. Yeah. I think he already is because if you wait, waiting so long to object yeah. is bad in your case because now... You've taken two to three. Uh, you've taken two to three extensions yeah. on it. You never and made checks. and checks two two to three more advances. You haven't said anything. Now you're raising the fuss. Yeah. the court's gonna be like. Uh, yeah, I can't believe that hasn't been thrown out. To be honest, 
because yeah. that's that's not winnable, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, and from our end, it's just a matter of informing the people so people understand when they're getting into a publishing agreement. It may see language that says four compositions a year, and you're like, well, I can nothing. Make, yeah. I can make four songs, right. and then there's fine print that say, oh, it has to be released yeah. to a major DSP. It has to move so many units by week one for it to count. Yeah. It has to come out on the album. So like, yeah, I mean, you, I think you and I are probably thinking of the same one where it was like, if it if it's a single, it doesn't count. Which uh, is like, what what do you mean? Like, if it's if if it's just a single standalone single, it didn't qualify. It had to be on an album. Had to be attached to an album. And this wasn't even that old of a contract either. Think about the realm we're in right now. People are just, what is an album anymore? Yeah, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we're getting bundle packages, we're getting EPs, we're getting yeah, EPs are the new album, which is yeah, crazy. For right. sure. So this guy writes a a single and it goes platinum, double platinum. And it doesn't count. That's why. <laughs> so, like, he's still where he was before he wrote the song. So, yeah, there's there's all sorts of pitfalls and. Where? Yeah. If we're live, can we just can we just ask questions from people? Or Do you think anybody actually has any? I don't know, man. You want to ask them questions? No, I want the them to ask us questions. Oh, yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody has any questions. Yeah, we can edit this out. No, so I was just wondering. <laughs> Edwina, Edwina has a question. Edwina. Uh, well, we could take phone calls, except no. Don't we'll go outside. Tom's about to leave. It's funny you mentioned Kanye because I was listening to to the radio this morning. And I guess he's got these gay homes. Have you guys heard about these? Like yeah. they just released photos of like his house in Calabasas, and it was his effort to make like low income housing that was very Star Wars based. So, <laughs> so you said low income housing in Calabasas? Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars. I just want to focus on that. With a theme. <laughs> Um, Calabasas part Calabasas Influenced by Star Wars But he had these little huts And they were like <laughs> Dome shaped huts On his property That he said They were easy homes Like where the uh, Like where Ewoks would live Yeah exactly yeah. Oh, So man. I guess he's tearing them down But he released photos Of them today It was like I mean I feel like His ideas are great On paper Yeah <laughs> But the actuality of it Is never As, as you as described it I pictured a fire fest Yeah fire fest. <laughs> Yeah they look like The fire fest tents Like Get y'all on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so. Get y'all. Uh, recently we had. Uh, oh, we do have a question, Eddie. Oh, we do have a question. Us as as a group. Or. Um, hope to have like two or three albums out by then. <laughs> Mr. Good Boy. What are we going to be doing in the industry in two to yeah, five years? Yeah, two to five years. Uh, uh, hopefully I'm out. Out here. <laughs> I'm weak. <laughs> Trying to be retired. <laughs> five years from now, yeah. None of us even like music anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We actually were talking about it. Like, man, I get in the car, I'm like, silence. Please. Yeah, my client just asked last night, uh, you still listen to music on yeah same stuff you listened to five years ago probably. pretty much yeah, yeah. yeah. i listen stuff. to all old stuff yeah and i'll run through anything new just to listen to it hear what's going on and get out of there well we had we had a meeting a couple of weeks back with chicago managers and professionals from the nice music segue. industry yeah it was good right yeah. uh <laughs> and it was it was i've been in the industry for a long time and i didn't know 90 percent of the people at this meeting and they're all in my hometown so yeah. it was great to see all these people in chicago that are doing something within the music space and trying to collaborate with each other because that doesn't happen very often it's a pretty competitive industry and so if you're 
trying to get a leg up you don't necessarily want to give away all your secrets to everybody but like stuff like this that we're doing with podcasts and spreading knowledge and all that and then you know collaborating on things within chicago i think is great because yeah. for the longest time it's been like if you if you make it in chicago then you leave right yeah, you go facts. to you go to la you go to new york you get your management team you get your business manager you get your lawyer and it's PR out there, right and it, it's just it's stupid like you don't have to be in those cities to do it and there are professionals here that are that are good um and so it was cool i think that that you know two years two to five years i feel like there should be a much bigger music presence so much good music that comes out of chicago like yeah. why do you gotta leave yeah i think that the whole the industry uh model will be built a little bit more in five years so like we'll have more repeated success of artists because on the business end will be more be intact essentially yeah i think so so question uh i was looking at these these numbers we had hometown hero chance put out an album yeah he was slated to be number one um then all of a sudden this artist nf nf comes who is this guy all right yeah comes in and takes the number one slot based upon physical uh, albums. Because of the calculation Billboard uses. Yeah, but yeah. so all of a sudden, like, over the weekend... So more people bought a physical copy of this NFL yeah, album than Chance It's a combination. It's a combination oh, of okay. buying physical plus streams. Yeah, so he... Streaming-wise... Sounds like electoral votes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, and the way the, the, the amount of physicals that were bought in a short amount of time suggests a couple things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um... We don't want uh, independent artists to have a number one album. So as the labels, we get together and make sure that we catapult one of these artists by buying more physical Ooh. copies or something. Hmm. You know? That's some con- conspiracy. Theory. I, um, I'm just throwing it out there. There's See, a little conspiracy behind Seeing it. how we feel about that. Well, what, what label is NF on? He was with Columbia. Okay. So still a part of the major system. Right. Um, Do you think that the major labels don't want an independent artist to reach number one? Definitely don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like they totally don't want like. It, it's yeah, weird well, why because would you if you're them, right? Chance has been such a, uh, and I don't know how this is outside of Chicago, but he's so important to our climate, especially as far as like independent music goes, and as far as just music goes in the city. And so he's been the topic of conversation since the album dropped. And then when you look at, I, I was looking at the comments on the, the Facebooks and the Twitters. Then I go to that that Netflix movie, uh, The Great Hack. Right. And how they were putting out so many messages about like Hillary and like how there was um, a material candidate, but just manipulated messages that weren't from real people, essentially. Right. Like then you look at the Twitter comments and like, all right, they're bashing this album, but it's the number one streamed album right now. So but people, it's doing numbers. Right? Yeah, it's doing numbers. It's being consumed, but we're seeing all these negative comments. How much of that is shock value, and how much is actual people listening? Yeah. You know. It's really weird. Um, I saw that, though, because I've never heard of NF before. And it's hard-pressed for me to believe that on this one weekend where no one else drops, this this random guy just surpasses. It would be (laughs) so cool to, I mean, cool in a weird, dark way, but, like, to see how they came up with it. They're like, all right, this artist we're going to make, number one. Yeah, I mean, because, like, that's the only, he was a Christian rapper, so that's where I can see the angle of more physical. Did he write Dark Horse? (laughs) It's the same guy. Was this payback for him? (laughs) week? Man, NF. Yeah, I'd yeah, never so heard of him either. I felt the same. Yeah. Way. I'm like, man, I should know who this is. Has anyone listened to it? No. His no. Music? Yeah, his song was on the radio the other day. It was good. Was you liked it? Was it on B96? Oh, we, we got somebody who says, uh, "There's no conspiracy here." Oh, what? Better than the Chance album? Okay, Chance album. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. yeah. <laughs> but still, man, the the amount that he sold, I'm like, come on. Yeah, I kind of felt bad for Chance after this weekend. Um, I don't know if you guys saw those tweets on Monday. Uh, I woke up to him saying, uh, there was a message along the lines of, I feel as if people want me to kill myself. And I was like, yeah, I was like, man, like, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know what it's like being an artist and being vulnerable and taking your time out and putting this much energy into something and for people just to bash it. Because people on the internet are ruthless. They just love to bash things. It's so Uh, weird. Like that needle drop guy, he went in and I'm like, bruh. (laughs) What are you doing? Right. You just sit at your home and, and just critique people and don't actually create any art yourself it's a it's a peculiar world we live in but no I, I've, I've seen him recently he's actually he's happy yeah i, I mean, figured when you, so when you're living a good life yeah he's doing okay yeah he's he's cool he's doing some cool stuff too outside of music so yeah he's yeah. got my support so yeah always he's got everyone's support in chicago not everyone's there are haters in the bushes <laughs> Oh, we should probably we should probably wrap up, right? There's oh. people that need to get in here as well. Oh, we got more questions. We got more questions. I just want to know at what point do you think a, like signing a contract for a deal is good? Because I don't really see any reason for it in this day and age. Like, what would you all say a, a label would help with? So you got it's yeah. When you get into like signing deals, you have to look at that deal and your five year plan and see if that's going to help catapult you somewhere and move you along. The label has to be able to put you around a new audience that you couldn't get yourself. Uh, when you're looking at the money that you're given, that the, the label is giving you, also look at the rights you have to give up. And if you're starting off as an artist, of course, you don't want to get into a six, seven-year album contract. But if it's a label presenting you with, let's say, one album for a couple of years and they're going to assist, move you forward in your career, then that could be an agreement that you go with so it all depends on what you want to do as an artist and where you're trying to go that you align yourself with the proper label yeah so the, the question because people probably didn't even hear it right on oh, the yeah, podcast member yeah uh <laughs> we're still getting we're still getting used to this was what what when would you ever sign a contract or what's the point right um with a with a label or with a publisher i mean i i, I always say if there's enough money that it changes your life and you can do what you want to do um then do it you know, and, and make sure the contract is fair, you know, and that you're going to give up rights to do that. But I mean, I've seen that happen where it's, it's changed people's lives. Like why wouldn't they do it? And there also is advantage with major labels because they control 90% of the playlists. Right. And then when you're on the top of the playlist, you're going to get more shows. And when you get more shows, you're going to make more money and then you can sell more merch. And if the label doesn't have the rights to that, then that's gravy for you. Right. Um, or on the publishing side, if it, gets you in the room with better artists, gets you in the room with, with, with better producers and better co-writers than um, allows you to make more hits, make more money, then, yeah, I mean, do it. And we, we kind of paint them as this big evil overlord, and they are to a certain degree, but, like, they also push careers forward. I mean, they don't make money unless the artist makes money. I, I, I have an artist right now that's signed to a major and she that, that I manage, and, like, without them right now... We wouldn't have gotten the features that we're getting. We wouldn't have gotten the radio looks that we're getting. Um, so they make it easier, you know, um, and you can get checks from them. So that's why. There's a bad stigma around labels sometimes, but it's well, good. Yeah. You know, I mean, even the structure of label, even for like, even this chance drop, I feel like if he had a little bit more structure, it could have been a little bit better. 
you well, you wouldn't have turned it in at, like, at 20 minutes before. Exactly, before the due yeah. date. You would have turned it in three weeks before. But, you know, I mean, he also has a good team that sets everything up. But, like, I mean, yeah, that's just my own thought. I think the structures of labels can be sometimes good. Yeah. So you say it's, the goal is still to sign a deal? No, I, I think it depends on the on the person. And if it's life-changing, right? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it just it just depends on the type of artist. You know, and if, if you're killing it independently and you don't need them for anything, then why would you change it? Right. So uh, it's, it's not just, it's not a bright line test. Like I've got to make it. I got to sign this deal. You know, that's the only way I can make it. That's not true, but it can help. We got another question. Uh, question was how does how does an artist get um, someone to shop their material to to publishers? So, a, like a writer, you're talking about, or a, a performing artist, somebody that writes their own music. Um, well, that's that's a lot of. I, I don't think that you should look at it as finding somebody to do it as if they can do it themselves. I, I mean, you're always going to work the hardest for yourself, um, but otherwise, I mean. You still need a manager some sometimes that has connections, or you need lawyers that sometimes have connections, and you know um, everybody finds them in different ways. But uh, what we're saying is, there's two right here that you should just yeah. hire. <laughs> but but seriously, I, I mean, I think lawyers. I think like correct me if I'm wrong, but like I think you're always your best advocate, right? And it's not that hard to find people these days. You know, I mean, there's so many different ways of connecting with people. No, it's not a way of just selling ourselves. Truly, like lawyers are a good way because we handle. A lot of different publishing agreements we're talking to different publishing companies so we are the ones that know what's yeah, going on what money's being offered what terms are being offered Can what type of deal and who you should be talking to because a lot of times you need an admin deal just to collect the money that your songs are already earning but if it's the other way it's like hey i want to go and record with some other people and get my music you know placed on other people's albums then yeah you do need a publisher um and we'll know yeah you Unless you're making fifty thousand dollars in mechanical royalties a year, this publisher isn't going to pay any attention to you. So yeah, so I mean, finding somebody that knows the industry is key. So they got to know the industry standard, mm. or hey. or what did I? What am I signing? Yeah, what am I signing? We're playing around with some things. We'll be back with some rebranding. Don't <laughs> worry. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should leave it with that. Yeah, cool. All right, man. I think we're gonna get up out of here. Okay, it was fun. Always is. Don, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming out. Of course. Thanks, Ron. Ron. Thank you for having me. Ron, Shout out to you. We are the Industry Standard Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to our live studio audience. SAE. SAE. Right. Shout out to SAE. Audio engineering. Yeah. <laughs> Next week we'll have the, the full name of what SAE stands for. Yeah. Yeah. Leftbrain.com. Oh, use leftbrain.com. Definitely use leftbrain. And and sponsored by Song Finch. and Song Finch. Yeah, so let's get a jingle. On Why didn't out. you get a Song Finch for your proposal? Ooh, it's never too late, though. No, because I have so much first content dance. that I can put something together. Yeah, <laughs> I talk might, to us in 2024 when you're getting married. Might have to flip the lyrics to Eternal a little bit. Hey, come with a Mr. Goodbar remix of it. Oh.